Hi, friend. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. And it is my sincere hope you'll hear something that will encourage, edify, equip, and then get you out into the marketplace of ideas. But before you listen, I'm going to tell you about this month's Truth Tool. My Truth Tool is offered to anyone who gives a financial gift to In the Market with Janet Parshall. And this month, I've chosen the book, Connecting the Dots, What God is Doing When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Ever been there? Of course you have. We all have been. Sometimes we think we're walking in circles, and we're wondering whether or not God has left us, we've walked away from Him, what in the world we're doing if we're even in the center of His will. So this book is designed to help you find peace and confidence in your current challenge. And all of us have challenges. It also will make sense of most of the lessons you're learning right now. And the most important part of this and why I felt this would be appropriate is because it will help clarify in your mind the unique mission and message that God has given to you. So the book is called Connecting the Dots. It's yours for a gift of any amount. And all you have to do is call 877-JANET-58. That's 877-JANET-58. And give a gift of any amount, and we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. If you prefer to do it online, that's easy as well. In the market with JanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Click on through, make your gift, and again, we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. Just below the picture of the book is a description of what it means to be a partial partner. Those are people who give every month a gift of their own choosing. They set the level of giving. I don't. But they'll always get the truth tool. And in addition to that, a weekly newsletter that goes out as well. So consider being a partial partner or getting a copy of Connecting the Dots by calling 877-JANET-58 or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Now please enjoy the program. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. So Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely next... rare safety move by a nation. 17 years of Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. This Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. We're going to talk about emotions this hour. Have you ever stopped and done some thinking about that? I mean, does the Bible have a thing or two to say about emotions? Well, that's a rhetorical question, of course, because when the Bible says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, that's talking about an emotion. When the Bible says, be angry and sin not, that's talking about emotion. When Jesus is with the woman caught in the act of adultery, I'm pretty sure that he had one emotion he conveyed to the community that represented religiosity and a whole nother emotion to the woman to whom he said, go and sin no more. So what do we do with these emotions? I mean, if we are, and we most certainly are, fearfully and wonderfully made, God designed us with emotions. And yet there's a whole school of thoughts swirling around our heads and our hearts about our relationship with our emotions. Let me just give you some famous quotes. So this one, your emotions are the slaves to your thoughts, and you are the slave to your emotions. Ooh, uh, does that sound like something you struggle with? Or John Locke said, what worries you masters you. Another statement, feelings are something you have, not something you are. Voltaire said, the most important decision you make is to be in a good mood. And even Frederick Nietzsche, that man who saw nothing and nothingness out there, said, one ought to hold on to one's heart. For if one lets it go, one soon loses control of the head too. So as followers of Christ, what in the world do we do with emotions? And that's what we're going to discuss this hour. Well, we're going to start by learning to untangle them. And that's why we're going to spend the hour with Jenny Allen, who's the founder and visionary of If Gathering, as well as the New York Times bestselling author of Get Out of Your Head, 
Find Your People, Made for This, Anything and Nothing to Prove. Her 2022 bestseller, Find Your People, won the ECPA Book of the Year Award. And she is the host of Made for This podcast with more than 41 million downloads. But she joins us today because she's written the book, Untangle Your Emotions, literally hot off the presses, naming what you feel and knowing what to do about it. So this is going to be a fascinating conversation. Jeannie, I think, or Jenny, thank you so much for being with us. I really very much appreciate it. And this, there's a synergy here because when you wrote your book, Get Out of Your Head, it was about getting rid of toxic thinking. So it seems to me there's a linkage between thinking and emotions. <laughs> In fact, someone once said, yes. we think, we believe, and we act. So it makes sense that you would talk first about toxic thinking because the relationship then is to our emotions. Talk to me about that linkage. Absolutely. Janet, thank you for having me. So yeah, everybody out there, this is a message for you. I was thinking as you were setting it up, I thought, how many people are listening right now and thinking, oh, I don't need this one. I'm not very emotional. Or I'm so emotional, but I don't know what to do with it. And so all of us come into this conversation really from a different Mm -hmm. experience set and, and place in our lives. All of us were raised to learn certain things about the way we feel. So we are people who are emotional and we know that because we are made in the image of God and whether you express it or not, we, we are people that are emotional because God was emotional and is emotional. And so you see that throughout scripture, by the time Genesis four has come, you already see God feel it all. He's been delighted in creation. He's been disappointed in its rebellion and he has been angry at the tower of Babel and, you know, Cain and Abel, that whole mess. So you see a, a God who feels strongly just already by Genesis four. So you're exactly right. We can't ignore this. This is something that is true of God. And what I would say as far as get out of your head, I mean, get out of your head was such a a great timed book because it, and I didn't plan this, obviously it came out a month before COVID. And Mm -hmm. so we all went into a bit of a spiral and, and certainly um, everything I wrote in that book, I stand by a hundred percent that we have the ability and the power given to us by God to take our thoughts captive that we can change the trajectories of our thought lives and it can change everything about us. And that is scientifically backed up. That is first biblically true. And then you see how true it is because God built our brains and our minds. And you see that in science that, that we have the power to um, literally rebuild and heal our brain just by building new pathways and thinking better thoughts. And yet from that research in that book, you know, 80, percent of our thoughts every day are negative, scientists will say, and 90% of those are repetitive from the day before. So we're thinking a lot of negative thoughts. And that could be the reason at times that our emotions are wound up and it feels like we're spiraling. But what I realized after working on that book, while that had a nice little neat bow that you could replace cynicism with gratitude and it actually changed your brain, and it wasn't just biblically true, it was it was true, true, just the, the way we play it out in life, it, it's proven. And, and so what we know is emotions are a little bit different. And I didn't get to that growth place in my life to write this book until after that book was over. And while, again, I stand by every word of it, emotions are not meant to be fixed. Emotions are meant to be felt. And that was a little bit disappointing to me because I didn't really love sadness and fear and anger. And I did a pretty good job of trying not to feel those on a given day. And so, yeah, going into those feelings and actually experiencing them, it was it was pretty life-changing. And I wondered why it would be worth it, but it changed everything about me. 
And I found it to be one of the greatest things I've ever done is to delve into my emotions and to learn to feel and to learn to be present with other people and their feelings as well. Mm. And get out of your head, where were you emotionally? Because you talked about COVID. What was going on in your life? Well, when I wrote the book, it had been a year earlier. And at that point in my life, I was struggling with some real negative and toxic thought patterns that that really had taken me captive. I was at a place where in the middle of the night, which I often wake up in the middle of the night, I would be asking questions about if God was real. And it really grew. And I never shared it with anyone. I didn't think it to be a big deal at first, but it grew and grew. And it lasted about 18 months where I would just dwell on and wonder about if my faith was real. And this all this while, I'm I'm doing all the things you named and I'm talking about God. And yet I felt myself getting more and more apathetic and being more and more afraid of death and having a lot of anxiety around that. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a process. It was a struggle. Wow. I'm so thankful for the gift of your time, Jenny. Thank you for being with us for the entire hour, because this is a deep and important topic. Even if you think you're not very emotional, maybe what you're doing is really just kind of repressing your emotions. You don't want to express them. Maybe you have in the past and it's gotten you into trouble. So you're just going to push it way down as the saying goes. We're going to untangle our emotions this hour. And Jenny Allen's going to walk us through this through her brand new book called Untangle Your Emotions, Naming What You Feel and Knowing What to Do About It. We're going to get you to think critically, biblically, and correctly on this topic. Back after this. God is always at work in your life, but most of the time you can't see it or understand it. That's why I've chosen Connecting the Dots as this month's truth tool. Discover how to know what God is doing when life doesn't make sense. Ask for your copy of Connecting the Dots when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58. That's 877-JANET-58. Or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. New York Times bestselling author and founder of If Gathering, Jenny Allen is with us. She's got a brand new book out called Untangle Your Emotions, Naming What You Feel and Knowing What to Do About It. Jenny, you picked up a master's of biblical studies from DTS from Dallas Theological Seminary. So I'm going to ask you a theological question, which is, so why did God give us emotions? Hmm. Yeah, such a good question. They are gifts from him that one, help us make sense of a very broken world. And number two, they connect us more deeply to him and to other people. And you see that several relationships in the Bible, but certainly with King David, you see a man after God's own heart, and you see a man that is not afraid to shake his fist in anger when it feels like God is is letting him down and not afraid to tell God what he is sad about his shame. Um, he comes to him with every single emotion under the sun. And you see this beautiful relationship with God that is marked by difficulty and struggle. And yet we're all jealous of the way that that God and David relate to each other. And so I think it is, you know, for so long we have judged our own emotions and we have judged other people's emotions. And so we think that God is judging our emotions and yet he wants to draw really near to us in them. Mm. You know, I think of how God, man, Jesus in the New Testament expressed emotions. There was an emotion, I think, when he was flipping the tables. There was an emotion when, and I have this circled every time it talks about this in the New Testament, that Jesus had compassion on them. That's empathy. So there are emotions mm. that are manifest even in the perfect person of Jesus. So 
I think the, the, the sticky wicket, if you will, in the church, and I'm not talking about the world because I don't know that they have a point of reference for this, but in the church, capital C, universal, I think so often our emotions get us into trouble. You know, if sin begins in the heart, it isn't even the action. It's what our heart position is before the action takes place. For a lot of people, emotions are the sand trap. That's where we get into trouble because it's like the flash of anger. It's it's the thought before the word comes out. And so we think that emotion should be abhorred because there's a linkage, many think, between emotions and sin. Unpack that for us. Well, I, I would I would argue what you're saying. I actually think the emotion, you know, you you quoted the verse when we just started, which was, um, in your anger, do not sin. So there's this sense that the anger really isn't the problem. <laughs> mm. You know, he's saying like, you're going to be angry, but just don't sin because of it. And so when we demonize the emotion, what you're saying is, don't feel this because it's dangerous. Well, actually, we were meant to feel our feelings. They were they tell us all kinds of things that are true. They tell us if we're not safe. They tell us of awe and wonder toward our God that is beyond our own thoughts and our understandings. We we feel it when we um, see our child born and there's no word for what emotion we're feeling. Those are gifts. And and the, the negative emotions help us navigate grief. I have a friend right now going through just an incredible grief and her tears is it, there's no words. It's just wailing. It's just crying. And what science and what the Bible will say is blessed are those who, who mourn. Why? Because they get more of God. Mm. And so there is something innately good and beautiful and helpful in our emotions. But as long as we view them as dangerous, we actually will keep acting out because of them. Mm. So let me give you an example. Irritability, that is something all of us can say we feel on certain days. Largely, irritability is a form of anger. So I, I in the book, I walk through the four big emotions, and then under each emotion are a lot of specific ones that really change anger. So you've got hatred and rage, and then you've got um, with anger also you just have you know a little bit of being bugged and annoyed by your kids. You know, so so all that's in there in that word anger. So these are really big words that describe large swaths of feelings that we might have. But I boil it down to those four: joy, fear, sadness, and anger. So when you look at irritability, which is, you know, again, a form of anger, so so you're bothered. Um, well, largely that's coming from a place that you don't want to, you don't want to be bugged by your kid and you don't want to sh- be short with them. They had a hard day too. And they're really probably not even your problem. You probably had a bad day at work. And so one day when I'm driving home and I'm writing this book and I'm not good at this, as you remember, um, I'm learning it. It's like a muscle that you you flex and eventually it grows. Um, and, and so that's today where I find myself a few years in to working out, uh, that muscle. And, and so I'm driving home and I'm feeling, um, anxious. That was the feeling I felt. And I normally would walk in after, you know, four 30 coming home and, and everybody would be getting home as well. And, and I would probably feel a little short with everybody. And the funny thing is, you know, they, they're short with me because <laughs> they've had a hard, long day too. And so we're short with each other. But this day, because of the book, and I was working on it, I said, you know, I'm going to stop in the driveway and I'm going to notice what I'm feeling. And so I noticed that I was really worried um, and I didn't totally know why because the day hadn't been so bad. It was it was okay. And a memory came to mind from a few days earlier, a conversation that I'd had with Zach about our finances. And it hadn't really resolved. And so I had that day needed to spend money and I had picked up dry cleaning, nothing big or nothing frivolous, but just groceries and dry cleaning and figuring out dinner and those kind of things. And so I I was 
driving home and I felt anxious, but I didn't know why. And when I remember that conversation, I was like, man, we never finished that. But all I knew was we just need to be a little careful this month. And, and, and I didn't know what that meant and we never got to finish it. So I, I could recognize like, wow, this is where that's coming from. This is why I'm anxious. Now, normally I would have never paid attention to that. And then I walk inside and the most amazing thing happens. My kids come up to me and they're complaining. They're, they've got their things. But instead of being short, I'm empathetic. Mm. And all of a sudden, now I want to hear about their day and I want to make room for their feeling because I just found myself giving over to the Lord a concern I had and there being more wholeness and peace as I walk in the door. And this, all of this took about maybe 60 seconds to a minute and a half, right? Mm -hmm. well, I'm not talking about a major, mm -hmm. you know, counseling session with God in my car. You know, it's just a little minute. And then I walk inside and we begin to talk. And instead of being short with each other, I got to ask about their days and they told me hard things about their days. And then I got to say, you know, I've been worried about something too. I've felt that same feeling today. And then my husband comes downstairs and instead of being short, I just hugged him and he tells me about his day. And we had the most delightful dinner talking about the hard things and the good things. And all of a sudden, what emotions are meant to do, it did, which was deep, deeply connect us that night. Mm, wow. The book is called Untangle Your Emotions, Naming What You Feel and Knowing What to Do About It. And in the book, Jenny talks about five key and important steps. I'll just give you five words. We're gonna to start to unpack these after the break. Noticing, naming, feeling, sharing, and choosing. That's pretty much what happened in the driveway, but I'm gonna say it again so you can learn how to do this for yourself. Noticing, naming, feeling, sharing, and choosing. Think about those things. We'll be back after this. Ellen is our guest. She's the founder of If Gathering, as well as the New York Times bestselling author. She also has a podcast, by the way, that's got millions of downloads as well. It's called Made for This. But her new book is out, Untangle Your Emotions, Naming What You Feel and Knowing What to Do About It. So before the break, in the book, Jenny walks us through five steps to really start to untangle. And here they are again, noticing, naming, feeling, sharing, and choosing. I want to start at the very beginning. So uh, you came up with this idea of this five-step approach. How did you come up with this idea? And then once you explain that to us, walk me through this by starting with noticing. <laughs> well, it's a funny story because I read all these books. I did so much research for this and I didn't, I don't, I'm not saying it's not out there anywhere. I didn't read a process like this. And I think the reason I didn't read a process like this is most of the books were written by wise, wonderful counselors that know that nothing's as simple as a process, right? But I'm a writer <laughs> who needs a process. And I, and I'm someone who just in my own spirit, again, I'm a fixer. Emotions felt nebulous to me. It was like swimming in the ocean. I was like, where's the island? Like, where do you, where do you stop? Where do you start? What do you do? And so it's what I wanted. It's what I needed. I needed handles and I wanted handles for exactly what you said. When that feeling rises up in me and I'm angry, what do I do with it? Because mm -hmm. I don't want to yell at my kid. I don't want to, um, you know, cuss at my coworker. I don't want to be, um, I want to be a, a follower of Christ and I want to do that in every aspect of my life. And so I, I don't want these feelings to take over. It's true. But I also knew I was supposed to feel them. So the process for me was just what I wanted and needed. And I thought, gosh, if I was lost and I felt totally overrun by emotions or I knew nothing about them because I'd never really felt them or given myself permission to feel them, either way, I would want some simple handles. 
And so it just made sense to me. And and if I'm really candid, like I had four steps and my editor was like, you need one more. And it was notice. Notice I'd skipped. But she said, if you really aren't accustomed to um, noticing your emotions, you would miss, you wouldn't know how to name them. You mm. really need that step. And oh my gosh, I need that step. I, I'm so grateful to her for that addition because it really was important, an important part of the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So noticing how, especially, I want to go to that individual who's listening somewhere across the country right now who goes, I am exactly that person you identified at the start mm -hmm. of the conversation. I, I'm not yeah. an emotional person. In fact, there's a lot of gender specificity in this. Women are emotional, men are not, right? And so if yeah, you want I mean, to, which I don't necessarily subscribe to. By right. The way, I mean, I my think. husband's more emotional than me, interestingly enough, which mm -hmm. is so funny that I'm yeah. writing a book about this, but That's he grew exactly. into that. <laughs> yeah. You know, he grew up, he grew into that. So yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people go, oh, I don't, I don't know that I feel a lot of emotion. And I would say, um, let me first uh, to that person say that have you ever watched a really bad documentary where it's really boring and you just want to turn it off and you don't want to watch it? You know, all of us have, we, especially in school, right? Like back when we were in elementary school and they made us have movie day and it was actually a joke because it was a horrible film that was boring and we were supposed to learn something. Um, well, what's missing from that versus the Avengers or something just epic, you know, Lord of the Rings, whatever, is emotion. Emotion is, and now it might be great cinematography and other things you could argue, but but reality is it's the emotional connection you feel with the characters. And so you don't want to live a bad documentary like nobody does. So let's just say, okay, let's all give it a chance and say, okay, what if they're not dangerous? What if God gave them to me? What would, what do I need to do? And the first thing is, is to start noticing your body. And immediately some people just went, Oh, she's lost me. She's new age. She's probably into <laughs> yoga, whatever. Y'all listen, God built your body and he built your spirit and he built your mind and it's all insanely connected. And there's no way to divide all these parts of you up. You are connected and what the research will tell you. And it's why God, I mean, when Jesus was here, he was constantly heal healing people's bodies and spirits. It wasn't just one or the other. It was often both. And, and so what you see is that our bodies often tell a story that, that we can't escape. So you can tell yourself, I'm fine. I'm fine. You can tell everybody else you're fine, although they usually know that you're not, by the way. Um, but in your body, you'll notice, gosh, I've had jaw pain. Why is my jaw hurting all the time? Or gosh, I my neck is, I don't know if I'm sleeping wrong. I don't know what that is. Or man, I've had stomach pain and I'm indigestion. I don't know what's wrong with my stomach. Something's going on. All of those little things are usually and most often connected to our emotions. So the mm -hmm. first thing you do is if you can't just locate a feeling is you, you start to notice your body and what is your body telling you? Mm. That's a great first step. Let me go to the person who says I'm not emotional, doesn't have the aches and pains, doesn't have the repression, pushing it down. <laughs> it's just that sure. they're one of those people for whom, you know, they're, they live on the cognitive side of their brain, not on the affective side of their brain. So they're just not a very emotional person. Is it going to be harder for that person to notice if the body isn't sending signals? Look at you're bearing stress. That's why your neck is acting up. That's why you're clenching your teeth at night. If you don't have that manifestation, how do you begin to notice? I'll tell you the greatest way. It's really brave though. You got to go to the people that know you the best mm. and say, do you think I'm emotionally repressed? Do you think I'm emotionally healthy? Do you think that, do you see any signs that I am unhealthy emotionally? You just ask them. Because <laughs> mm. I'm going to tell you right now, it comes out sideways somewhere. And if it doesn't come out in your body, it'll come out with how short you are with your kids. It'll come mm. out somewhere. 
And, and we tend as Christians to think, well, that's just sin and we need to control the behavior. And that's great. That's true. That, I mean, we tell our kids all the time, you're, you can feel what you feel, but you're responsible for being respectful and obedient and to do them the right thing. But at the end of the day, looking under the hood and going, what's making me feel this way is important. Mm. Okay, that's the notice. By the way, there's much more in the book. You understand that I'm bound by the parameters of time here. But if this has got you thinking more deeply about this issue of emotions, if it's sweeping away some cobwebs, some sloppy teaching that you've gotten in the past, an issue that you contend with every single day, you're having an arm wrestling match with yourself on the subject of emotions on a regular basis, and you're going to want to read Untangle Your Emotions by Jenny Allen. So five steps, noticing, naming, feeling, sharing, choosing. We've just talked a little about noticing, naming when we get back. There are dozens of talk shows that address politics, culture, and technology, but In the Market is committed to bringing biblical truths to every facet of life. When you financially support In the Market as a partial partner, you're helping people to better understand how their faith intersects with their daily lives. Become a partial partner today and receive exclusive benefits prepared just for you. Call 877-JANET-58 or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We're spending the hour with Jenny Allen, the founder and visionary of If Gathering, as well as the New York Times bestselling author of multiple books, Find Your People, Get Out of Your Head, Made for This, Anything, Nothing to Prove. She speaks at events and conferences all over the country. And by the way, she's got a master's in biblical studies from Dallas Theological Seminary. So her brand new book is hot off the presses, and it deals with our emotions. In fact, it's called Untangle Your Emotions naming what you feel and knowing what to do about it. So we're walking through the five steps that Jenny goes into much deeper detail in, in the book, but uh, again, bound by the parameters of time, I want to give you a sense of what the book covers so that you'll then get your own copy and dive deeper into this. So the five steps, noticing, naming, feeling, sharing, and choosing. Noticing is extremely important. Naming. Now, this is important because a lot of people think, well, okay, I know what anger is. I don't need to give it a name. So what do you mean when you say naming? Well, remember ultimately that our brain heals from negative emotion most powerfully when we share with other people. So we're ultimately working to sharing. That's where you begin to heal the most. Now, some of you are terrified by that concept, but I'm not talking about necessarily counseling, although I think that's one reason counseling is helpful is um, not being alone in pain is something that's very healing. And so when you think of naming, you're, you're starting to be able to know yourself, what you feel, which is self-awareness, which is super important to, to emotional health and to maturity. And then you're able to share it with someone else. It's like me coming in with my kids when I was short um, versus when I could come in and say, yeah, I I've been a little worried today too about something. Mm -hmm. And so it's just that difference self-awareness is a powerful thing. When you understand what you're feeling and even why you're feeling it, you're able to connect with people in a deeper way. And, and so I'm such a fan of, you know, this is, this doesn't have to be super complicated, but sometimes it will become painful because it will bring up memories. It will bring up something from your past. I often tell people, if you have an extreme reaction to something, you need to give it a name. And then you need to think back to when was the first time you remember feeling grief like that? When was the first time you remember feeling anxious like that? And it's unbelievable, Janet, almost to a person, no, to a person, everyone within five seconds can go back to an age, a situation, a circumstance, 
where they were, what they were feeling, what they were wearing. Because emotion does something with our brain. It seals in memory. When you Mm -hmm. feel a strong emotion, especially the first time you remember feeling an emotion, it actually seals something in your brain. And that means that that is really with you still. Even in our 40-something selves, our 60-something selves, Mm -hmm. that little seven-year-old that felt like they did not measure up and they didn't make the team and their dad was the coach. This was one guy I was talking to and and he and he started he started tearing up and he was in his 50s. He said, "I I am still embarrassed when I think about that." Well, that's still affecting you. So when you don't get the award you thought you were getting, when when you don't um when you feel left out or cut out of something and you have this really strong reaction and you can't believe it because you know in your brain this isn't a big deal. Why am I reacting this way? That often is coming from a feeling that you felt when you were seven and had no control over it, right? Or when you were 12 or even when you were 16 and you had no power, you had no control over it. And now something's happening to you again. You have no power, you have no control over it. And it's that same feeling and and all that's coming out. So what happens is when you begin to notice those kinds of things and you just begin to ask yourself the question, "When when do I remember feeling that in my past? And you share it with somebody. All of a sudden you begin to connect and you begin to heal. And now somebody is in that moment with that seven-year-old too. And, and you start to feel really compassionate because you're embarrassed that you were so bothered by that at seven, not making a team. But your seven-year-old self didn't know better. Your seven-year-old self, that was their whole world, right? And so you feel a lot of compassion when you really think about it. And you go, man, that was, that was pretty traumatic for that seven-year-old. <laughs> and all of a sudden you find yourself able to not only name the emotion, but to name like, where's this emotion com- coming from and why is it so strong in me? Mm-hmm. And it breaks down, I would think, the idea that you better never have that emotion again because it's associated with something negative. And then that creates well, this ugly relationship with emotions. Well, sure. And we all... You know, I, I think it's okay, and I have so much compassion for myself that sometimes I really just don't want to be sad. I want to be happy. You know, I think, I think that's normal, and I think, I think God understands that um, that we don't we don't love these seasons, but yet, oftentimes they're unavoidable, and and we've got to go through them. And, and and that's the other thing about emotion: you can't go around it, you can't go over it, you got to go through it. And and to go through it is to, on the other side, for it not to ping the way that it does right now. Um, the greatest example I have of this is my daughter got married and they kept talking about moving away. We'd be at dinner having a lovely time together and they live around the corner and they kept talking about moving away and my whole body would have this visceral reaction. I would feel so anxious. I would, my heart would start racing. I would feel like weeping and I knew better, like I knew not to act like that in front of them. I played it cool, but I would go home and I would cry. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I love my kids. I want them to follow God. I want them to do have adventures. I don't want them to feel stuck with this needy mom. Like, what the heck? Well, I don't want to be this person. And as I started to explore that feeling, where is this coming from? I remembered a moment that I felt the same way when my husband almost died a few years earlier. And all of a sudden, it brought back all of those feelings. And I thought, gosh, of course I feel worried about like being alone. And it brought up other moments from childhood. And when I was seven and my great grandmother died and I never thought about death ever, I don't think till that point. And so it, it just, it made me feel like, gosh, okay, that makes more sense. I'm not crazy. I'm not controlling. And then I was able to go, okay, this is, this is what I'm afraid of, but I'm not alone. I, I have a lot of people around me that love me. And even if something happened to Zach, I have people that love me that would be there for me. And I was able to like help have compassion on that part of me that was just freaking out, you know? Mm. And then it was unbelievable. It's like magic. I'm telling y'all it is magic. 
for some reason, then we would talk about the same exact things and my body didn't freak out and I wasn't anxious. It, mm. it was transformative. And it was simply because I was sharing things that had scared me times I had worried about being alone with people that love me and it changed everything. Wow. So the third step is feeling, which needs some explanation because one would think that emotions are <laughs> nothing but feeling. So how does that work in the five steps? Well, gosh, I mean, we feel, we we never, um, we often are feeling emotions that we don't give any permission to ourselves to feel. We often are feeling emotions that we ignore, that we cope with, that we, you know, turn on Netflix, scroll, we'll do anything to get out of alcohol, food, you know, we'll, we'll try to stay busy. Um, we'll try to succeed. We'll try to do anything so we don't have to feel sad. We, we control them. We, we pretend this is fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And we put in a little box, we conceal them, um, meaning we know that they're there, but we don't tell other people about them. So, so we're, we've got lots of ways to not feel. <laughs> we, we're pretty professional, all of us at that. And so, um, you know, when I think about feeling, it's just, it's, it's quieting that part of you that that's always trying to stop feeling it, that it, it's there, but, but you don't want to face it. And so I just say in the book, like, just get some time alone and really be present and notice, um, a name and then, and then feel it and, and cry. If you need to cry, pray and yell. If you need to yell, God understands he's very, um, patient and he is very, he can handle it. <laughs> He's unbelievably strong. He will not falter by you being angry at him. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And, and so you can, you can feel what you need to feel and, and don't be afraid of it. I do a little exercise that's really powerful. We could even close the show with it where I give people a chance just to, to feel what they're feeling and to take it to God and to say what they're feeling. And almost always the room, no matter how big it is, will just start crying. And, and then I ask after that, I'm like, well, what do you, how is God viewing you? How's God looking at you right now? What do you see him doing? And what is he feeling toward you? And I mean, I did this last night and the room started yelling out words. They yelled out compassion. I feel loved. I feel him present with me. I feel not alone. And I'm going, this is the magic of this right theology about emotions. Because all of a sudden, instead of running from God, you face him, you bring him all you got, you feel it. You're not afraid of it because he's gifted you these reactions to a broken world mm -hmm. and you tell him about it and he holds you and he loves you and he's there with you and he'll help you navigate it. And I mean, we'll, we'll get to this one probably after the next break, but choice, you know, what do we do with them after we feel them and share them? We'll get to that. But everybody's brain goes there first and that's not where God's brain goes first. You know, you look at, you look at uh, Lazarus when he's healing, you know, when he's healing, um, Lazarus, and, and he, he doesn't just fix the problem. He comes on the scene. He knows he's going to fix it. He knows it. He already told everybody in three days, um, my friend Lazarus is asleep and I will raise or I will wake him up. That's what he says. And so we know he already knows he's going to fix the problem, but he stops and he allows Martha to be angry at him. And he allows Mary to weep with him. And then he weeps with her. He doesn't just fix the problem. He actually mourns with those who are mourning. And he isn't afraid of their emotions. In fact, he has them too. Mm. It's a whole different way to view it. This might be a good place to ask to draw a distinction between thoughts and feelings. What is the distinction if there is one? Oh, they're so tied together. My dear counselor friend that, um, that has helped me so much and really been 
I dedicated the book to him and, and our friends in, in our little group therapy session. So Dr. Kurt Thompson is brilliant writer, um, counselor to counselors, truly. And I'm so blessed to call him my friend and my counselor. And he would say, Jenny, you can't divide these things out. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going against my mentor here. Like, what, what am I doing? But, you know, for me, it was as simple as we are supposed to control our thoughts, but we are not supposed to control our feelings. And that one difference changed everything for me. I'm supposed to feel my feelings. I'm not supposed to try to fix them. And that changed everything. Wow. Wow. Brand new book by Jenny Allen is called Untangle Your Emotions, Naming What You Feel and Knowing What to Do About It. And we're walking through the five steps that Jenny puts out in the book. Again, goes into deeper depth in the book as well. Noticing, naming, feeling, sharing, and choosing. Let's pick up on the sharing and choosing when we come back. By the way, I have a link to Jenny's website so that you can learn more. You can find out about her podcast as well. Back after this. Untangle Your Emotions, Naming What You Feel and Knowing What to Do About It. Brand new book by Jenny Allen, literally hot off the presses. She is the New York Times bestselling author, as well as the founder and visionary of If Gathering. So we've been walking through the five steps. And again, let me underscore there is so much more in the book, but we're getting you to start to think deeply about this issue and your relationship with your emotions. So sharing and choosing are the last two of the five steps. So sharing, um, emotions can be felt inwardly, but they're oftentimes they're expressed outwardly, but that's not what you mean. I mean, so the whole kitchen knows that you're in a bad mood because you've expressed your emotion. That's one way of sharing, but that's not what you mean. Talk about sharing your emotions. <laughs> that's the way we usually do it, though, right, Janet. Right. I mean, right. I think, I think that's why this matters so much, right, is we mm. want to we be good parents. We want to be good friends. We want to be good leaders and bosses. We want to be great spouses. And so um, what I would just say to that is, is we, we have to learn to become vulnerable. Part of being emotionally healthy and emotionally mature and whole is that we would be able to do this process, that we can name what we were feeling and we could share it with someone. And, and that is vulnerable. I don't know a way around that being awkward, especially mm -hmm. if you're not practiced. And so I'll just comfort you and give you great compassion and say, of course, that feels hard. And of course, that feels scary. And and I would just say, but do it anyway. Um, when you, there's a video online, you can Google it, neural pathways, finding each other and healing. And the main way that that happens, that our neural pathways heal from difficult events, which all of us will encounter and have encountered, is to be in the pain with someone else. That's why the Bible says mourn with those who mourn. That's why mm. Jesus wept with Mary. This is the way he built our brain, that it is not good for man to be alone, especially in their pain. And so we learn to cope and conceal and control it because nobody's in our pain with us. And what are we going to do? It's not going to help. It's not going to, why would we go back to moments from seven? Who cares? Why is that affecting us? That's ridiculous. That's what we tell ourselves. And then you do it. <laughs> And you vulnerably say to your spouse who you've been fighting with off and on for years and you never feel like there's a breakthrough and your marriage never gets better. And you say, you know, I think sometimes I'm so short with you because I feel trapped and and you're not making me do that. But I, 
I feel like I can't ever meet your expectations. And man, I grew up that same way. I could never meet my husband's expectation or my wife's expectations and all the sudden, or my parents, sorry, expectations. And all of a sudden that spouse hears you completely differently than when you snapped at them. There's all of a sudden this, wow, I can see that. I can see, I know your mom and man, I can see that you grew up feeling that way. And I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to make you feel that way. Like there's breakthrough in this. There's, there's understanding, there's compassion, but it's not easy because it's scary to put out our souls. It's easier to be angry and short than it is to say what we really feel, to be sad, to be afraid, mm. you know, to be, to be angry at something that happened to us when we were younger. Th those are harder things. It's easier to snap at our kids and move on, say you're sorry, try to stop. You know, that's, that's a simpler little life, but that's not going to build the kind of relationships. And the greatest example of this is my husband walked walked through his second bout with depression as I'm writing this book, right? Mm -hmm. And and then he, you know, he does it so differently this time. It's been it's been so many years since the first bout and he's just so healthy and he's done such good, you know, just self-growth and work on this emotionally and and so he sits me down and says, "Jenny, I, I, my depression is back. I'm I, I'm called my doctor like I'm going to I'm going to do everything I know to do and and I look at him and I'm scared and I'm panicked and I said, "Honey, you know, what do, what do we do? And he said, we, we be sad. <laughs> mm. and I was like, well, that's not fun. You know, let's fix it. And I'm writing this book about this. And, and so he sits our kids down similar in a similar time frame and says to our largely grown kids, he says, Hey, dad's going through something right now. And these are some of the circumstances. And I, my depression is back. And I just, I wanted y'all to know, I just wanted to tell you. And my son writes that night, it's in the book, a letter to him, a text and it's the sweetest thing I've ever read in my entire life. It's four paragraphs long and it's just, you are my hero and I don't care um, what you've gone through and what what you're going through now. I want to be just like you and mm. I'm here for you and I'm going to keep being here for you and mom. And it's just, it's like your dream letter from your kid, right? <laughs> how, how did that happen? Because my husband shared what he's going through with my kids with our kids. That's how he got it. So connection comes from being vulnerable. You want to be a great parent. You want to be close to your kids. You want your kids to like you. Then you've got to be someone that says, you know what? I had a bad day today. I'm a little embarrassed to tell y'all, but this didn't go well at work. And, and you don't dump all, all the things on your kids. We all know that. That's not what I'm saying. But every once in a while, when we need to, we be honest and we say, you know what's really going on with me? I'm sorry. I just took that out on you. You're not the problem, kid. <laughs> You know, it's me. I, I just had a really hard day today and I, I, I took it out on you. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of conversations mm -hmm. that, that build the kind of relationships we want with the people we love. Mm. Choosing. I love this mm -hmm. because there's the, it's C.S. Lewis, the will precedes the emotions. So this is a choice that we have. Talk to me about this. Yeah. Well, this was essential. I mean, we've all watched as the world has valued happiness and oftentimes the church too. And that becomes what they follow, you know, follow your feelings. That's the message of the world. And so I'm certainly not advocating for that. There is personal responsibility always in our choices. And we have the word of God and the person of the Holy Spirit. So we follow him first and we obey him first because you can get into a lot worse feelings. It talks about in Romans 8 roads that lead to sin and death if you follow your own feelings. So I'm not suggesting that, but we do feel our feelings, but we don't follow them. Mm. 
Well, we covered an awful lot of ground in one hour, but there's oh so much more in untangling your emotions. Remember what Jenny said earlier. She basically looked at four key emotions. There are subsets of all of these, joy, fear, sadness, anger, and what to do with them. And so the five steps helps you walk through. But this is really and truly about understanding we're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's a verse we often quote, but do we really understand it? Because emotions are part of how we are put together. So what would God have us do with those emotions? And how can we live lives that are emotionally healthy? Because I don't know about you, I'm pretty sure that's what God wants for each and every one of us. So check out the book, Untangle Your Emotions, Naming What You Feel and Knowing What to Do About It. Remember again, I have a link to Jenny's website as well. She does a great podcast and she's got all kinds of books out there that are worth reading. Learn more also about the IF gatherings as well. I thank you so much, Jenny, for the gift of your time, for the gift of your heart, for being so transparent about the battles in your own life, Zach's life too, to help us understand the right and the wrong way we can have this relationship with our emotions. Friends, I hope you've been encouraged as well. And I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending this hour with us. We'll see you next time on In the Market with Janet Parshall.